I want you to uh, tell me, somebody to tell me, something that at the moment you have to do. Something that you have to do. Something that is compulsory. Breathing. Okay. Something a bit more topical. Pay taxes. What do you have to do when you go into shops? Wear a mask. Or some of you in secondary school as well, you have to wear a mask. There's things we have to do, aren't there? Um, and there's lots of things in life. We've had, met, we've had taxes mentioned, and there are other things, um, good and not so good, that we are required to do. And there's an interesting word that comes up time and time again in Luke's Gospel, and also in the book of Acts, which we've been looking at in church on Sundays, which was also written by Luke. So Luke wrote the, first, the, same, uh, the two books, both Luke and Acts. And he uses this same word over and over again. And in English, it's normally translated something like, it's it was necessary, um, or so-and-so had to do something. So let me give you some examples that you might recognize. Do you remember that Jesus, when he was a little boy, they went to Jerusalem, and his parents lost him. And they found him in the temple, and they sort of said to him, sort of, what are you doing here? And do you remember what he said to them? He said, did you not know that I had to be, that I had to be in my father's house? Or do you remember the story that Jesus tells that we, we hear in Luke's gospel of the prodigal son? The son who says to his father, give me my share of the money and I'm going to go off and have a good life. And he goes off into a far country and uh, eventually he runs out of money and he realizes that he's messed up his life and he comes back and the father goes rushing to meet him. He puts his arms around him. He throws a party and the older, his older brother comes in. He says, what are you doing this for? This, this son of yours who went off and, and squandered your money, why are you throwing a party for him? And the father, who, who is supposed to symbolize God in this parable, says, Did you not, do you not see that we have to celebrate? We must celebrate because this brother of yours was dead but now is alive again. Or do you remember the story of Zacchaeus? You know the story of Zacchaeus, the little man who, who went up into a tree to hide from Jesus? We read about him in Luke chapter 19. And do you remember what Jesus said to him as he was up in his tree? Might seem a slightly cheeky thing to say. He said, Zacchaeus, come down because I must come to your house today. I must come. It's necessary for me to come. And then time and time again, also in Luke's Gospel, Jesus tells his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. It's necessary for him to go to Jerusalem so that he might suffer and so that he might die on a cross for us. Many, many times Jesus tells his disciples that this is something that's necessary. It's something he has to do. And then when we get into the book of Acts, also written by Luke, we hear the apostles, and we hear them preaching about Jesus, and they're persecuted, and people tell them to shut up, and they say no. We've got to keep on speaking. It's necessary for us to do this. And Paul, right at the end of Acts, he, he, he says, I've got to go to Rome. I know there's going to be suffering to meet me there, but I've got to do that. Now, why am I telling you all this this morning? Well, we've had four people baptized, one last night, three this morning. Fantastic stories, all very different stories, different age ranges, as, as has already been pointed out to us this morning. But each of them, I've noticed, as I've talked to them in the last few weeks, each of them have had a sense that this morning, or last night, this was the thing they had to do. This was something they must do. And it wasn't because any of us told them so. I certainly didn't tell them so. 
In fact, part of my job is to say to people, you do realize what you're doing? Are you sure you want to do this? And each of them said, yes, absolutely, I know I've got to do this. I must do this. Because who was telling them to do it? It wasn't the government. It wasn't me. It was God telling them that they must do this. Because the command of Jesus, as we've already heard, is clear. Believe and be baptized in that order. Believe in Jesus for forgiveness and cleansing of sin, and then publicly identify with him in baptism. Now, I'm going to read a passage from Luke's Gospel, uh, a passage that's probably familiar with, to you because it's read a lot at this time of year, at Christmas, as Christmas approaches. It's the story of uh, what's sometimes called the Annunciation, the angel coming to visit Mary. And uh, it's uh, Luke chapter 1. Just listen to it. And there will be some words come up on the screen in a minute, but for the moment, just listen to these familiar words. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Um, some words are going to come appear on the screen, some little extracts from what Gabriel said to Mary. And there's one word that comes in all of those sentences, the ones in italics. Can you spot what that word is? It's the word will. The angel said to Mary, you will conceive. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy One to be worn will be called the Son of God. Which raises an interesting question, doesn't it? The angel doesn't say must. The angel says will. Is Mary, does Mary have a choice in the matter? Um, if we could have the, the picture that's coming out. Now, this is an old picture, an old work of art, which I came across this week. It might, it's not particularly my sort of art, to be honest. But actually, I looked at it, and it's quite interesting. So here's the angel there on the left, and there's Mary. And this is painted, I don't know, 500 years ago by Botticelli. And you see the angel, the angel's crouching down. His hand is going out tentatively to Mary. He's not ordering Mary to do anything. He's approaching Mary with these will words. Mary, this is going to happen. But in a sense, he's also waiting for a response. 
He's stretching across, you might say, into a different world, from the angel's world into Mary's. And what's Mary doing? Well, Mary's uh, body language is very interesting. She's, uh, it's very cleverly painted, actually, the way if you look at it more and more. It's, it's quite ambiguous. Mary is, is both hesitant, is her arm slightly pushing the angel away, saying, crumbs, I'm not sure I want this. Or is the angel saying, it, or is Mary reaching out to touch the angel's hand, to link her world with his? Is she defending herself? She's looking downwards in humility or to avoid, the angel, avoid eye contact with the angel. So it's a yes but no sort of feeling we're getting from Mary. Like Zacchaeus up in his tree, like Paul and others in the Bible, Mary could have said no to God. God never forces himself upon us. God always gives us a choice. But like Trace and Jen and Jonty and Connie, she could have said no to God, but she knew, and God knew that she knew, that that wouldn't have been the right thing. God already knew Mary. He already knows each one of us. She'd actually, we suspect, said yes to God a long time before, symbolized in the book she has open in front of her, the Bible that she's been reading but now God gave her a desire, an ability to say yes to him. May it be to me according to your word. May your word be fulfilled. To actually say the words yes is what Mary was called to do in that moment. It will be a special calling for Mary and it will be a hard calling for her. But I don't think Mary will ever regret saying yes Today you are here at a baptism and God is calling you and me, all of us. God is calling each one of us. God is speaking to each one of us because he's always calling. God is always calling. He's always knocking but never forcing his way in. He's always seeking but never imposing himself. And perhaps he calls you this morning in the words of the song that Jonty chose to bring it to the table, to bring to him those things that you think separate you from God, your fear, your shame, the burden, the things mentioned in that song. Perhaps there are things that you think, well, if God really knew me, he wouldn't want, he wouldn't want me to, to accept his invitation. He'd want me to stay at a distance. If, if only God knew me, if all the people here knew what I was really like, God wouldn't want me. But the message of this morning, the message of the cross, the message of baptism, the message of the songs we've sung is that God says, bring me those things. Bring me those things and let me deal with them. Perhaps he calls you in the words of a song we heard last night to give him the wheel, to give him the driving wheel of our lives. Or in the words of the, the song we've just sung, the song Connie chose, to make him our guardian, the one who we rely on to protect and defend us, to allow him to be our rock in times of trouble, our faithful one. Perhaps he calls you to take that step of trust. Perhaps he calls you this morning to repent, to turn round from the direction in which you've been walking, to say sorry, 
to be reconciled. Perhaps some of you, it's, it's to rediscover something you knew years ago that you've turned your face away from, some habits you've turned your face away from, and God is saying to you, come back. I'm not forcing you, but I'm asking you. Perhaps he's calling you this morning to be baptised. Wouldn't it be great if we could have another one of these in, say, January? Maybe God is calling you to be somebody who could, take, who could take that step to say yes to God right now. You can say no. That's always the point. Mary could have said no. I don't think it was in her character to say no to God. In a sense, she was already on a path of saying yes to God. But we can always say no. At any stage in our lives, we can say no. But that would be what it would be a bad choice. It would also be a desperately sad choice. You've seen the joy this morning amidst the apprehension on people's faces as they've had to talk to you. You've seen the joy and you've heard the joy of their stories. And you know, I think, that it would be the wrong choice. If you say yes, it may, like Mary, be hard at times, but you won't ever regret it. I was baptised 36 years ago sort of the equivalent of this weekend, the 7th of December, 1985. And a lady, an older lady in my church, a lady I knew well, told me, she said, um, the path that you have just declared yourself to be on, it won't be an easy path, but you won't ever regret it. And I found that to be true, and I know lots of you have found that to be true, and Mary found that to be true. It, we're not promising an easy life, Jesus doesn't promise us that, but he promises us a life where we grow closer and closer to God, where we are transformed, as the Bible says, from one degree of glory to another as we keep on saying yes to God. And what could be more wonderful than that? So is there something you must do today? There's a prayer that's going to appear on the screen, which I invite you, well, I'm going to read it and invite us to consider it, and then I invite you to say it in your heart, to God if you feel you can say it. It goes like this. Lord Jesus, I want to say yes to you today. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. I'm sorry for my past failings, including my failings to say yes to you. Please forgive me. I now say no to everything I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven set free and made new. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your Holy Spirit. I now say yes to you. Please come into my life by your Spirit to be with me forever. Now, I'm going to read that again in a moment, and I invite you to, to say it in your heart alongside me. You could say it out loud if you want to, if you're brave, but you might just want to repeat it in your heart. Nothing's compulsory. If you want to think about something else, that's fine. But I believe God is calling you, perhaps, to say these words this morning. So here they are again. And join me as you say them in your heart together. And then we say amen out loud at the end. Lord Jesus, I want to say yes to you today. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. I'm sorry for my past failings, including my failings, to say yes to you. Please forgive me. 
I now say no to everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven, set free, made new. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your Holy Spirit. I now say yes to you. Please come into my life by your Spirit to be with me forever. Amen. Amen. If you have said that prayer and that you know this morning that that prayer is significant, will you do one other brave thing? Will you talk to somebody here about it? Could be me, could be the person you've come with, could be someone else you know, or even just the, you know, the people on the door, someone you've never met before. Talk to someone about it. Uh, someone here, there are some people with red lanyards on who are part of our prayer ministry team. They would be happy to pray with you. If you're a part of the prayer ministry team and you've forgotten your landlord, go and get them on quick. Um, uh, but do talk to somebody. Make it real. And uh, yeah, trust that God is going to do more great things in your life. Our service is pretty much finished now. We are going to sing our last song. And we normally sing this at baptism.